Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 21, Microgravity University. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. So this is the podcast where we bring in the experts, NASA scientists, engineers, astronauts, sometimes educators, all to let you know all the coolest information about what's going on in space. So today we're talking about the way students and educators are involved at NASA with Mike McGlone. He's an education specialist here at the Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. And we had a great discussion about the different programs here and how they influence students to pursue careers in STEM and STEAM fields, including careers here at America's Space Agency. So with no further delay, let's go light speed and jump right ahead to our talk with Mr. Mike McGlone. Enjoy. Minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Launch commit light circuit. Here she goes. Houston, we have a podcast. Okay. Well, there's some, uh, is microgravity university. So I was, I was doing some research just, you know, just to understand kind of the whole thing. Microgravity university is like, is the parent brand sort yes. of that kind of overarches and micro GeneX is one of those things, right? That's right. Microgravity okay. university is an overarching, um, it's just an umbrella. It's not really an organization, but it, uh, actually started several years ago with, uh, called, uh, RGOs, reduced gravity opportunities. Ah. It was, uh, where teachers and educators, and even students uh, designed experiments to then come and fly on the uh, C-9 aircraft, the Vomit Comet, yeah. and do those kinds of tests. Um, but as that program phased out, they looked at other opportunities, and that's what we've looked at, uh, like MicroGenex with the uh, MBL, or, and now Microgravity University for Educators, which uh, our current activity is then focused over on uh, the uh, Precision Air Bearing Floor, the PABF over in Building 9, the Space Vehicle Market Facility. Ah, okay. So what's special about that facility then that lets you do the challenges, I guess? Well, the precision air bearing floor, if you think about it, is if you've been over there, it's a large steel plate, it looks like, um, polished, highly flattened to within, I don't know how many micrometers flat it is for the the distance it is, but it basically works like a reverse uh, air hockey table if you ever played on one of those at at an arcade or something, Um, but instead of air blowing up to the floor... Uh, whatever item you have sits on pads that the air is then blown down to lift it up and give it a near frictionless kind of surface. Hmm. So that allows us to do microgravity in two dimensions. Oh, okay. Very cool. Well, so what, uh, I'm trying to imagine what kind of microgravity you can do in that, in a two dimensional environment. What's the challenge that you can do? Well, the challenge that we've come up with, uh, we used last year and we're using it again this year is we're doing a simulation that's very similar to well one thing that we do on the international space station where we're launching small cubesats into orbit around earth mm-hmm. um we're taking it a little bit differently in that we're looking at a moving satellite trying to launch a small satellite into orbit around mars it's an orbital insertion so if uh, you can imagine a moving object that's held your satellite moving away from a target that's moving almost left to right in front of you and firing an object to hit a target very challenging yeah so it's kind of like a target practice i guess but in two dimensions and in microgravity kind of thing right and uh other than you know standing still and hitting a target you're moving as well so you've got oh three different motions actually going on 
Wow. And it's really to simulate real orbital insertions? Yes. Is that kind of yes, thing? very similar. Okay. Very cool. And uh, adding in the robotics to it because it's supposed to be autonomous. Once they say go, turn on the air, everything begins to move, then it has to respond on its own. So there's robotic, robotics involved with it as well. All right. All right, let's pull back just a little bit because microgravity, we're kind of getting into the, uh, like, you know, already some of the challenges, but (laughs) I kind of want to get like a full understanding of microgravity university, just what it is and and who who does it, who participates, that kind of thing. So what's like the overarching, you know, description of microgravity university? Okay. Well, microgravity university for educators, Magoo, and I'll try to refer to it as that, is uh, it's an opportunity. Well, actually, let me back up. It's in the second year. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year was our inaugural year. Uh, we've only made a few changes to it this year. I'll talk about those. But it is an opportunity for educators and now students involved this year to bring a, this device to meet this challenge I just talked about mm-hmm. to design and build that back home and then send a visiting team here to Johnson Space Center to test it there on the PABF. Hmm. So that design challenge really brings in all across um, all the components of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics that we're trying, really trying to reach out and engage students with. Yeah. And give them an opportunity to bring all that to bear on a very challenging authentic learning experience and then bring a team here to actually test it in our unique facility. So. Okay. It's a bigger team back home than gets to come, but it's uh, we're inviting actually two educators and four students, high school age students, to actually come here and do the testing. Hmm. So. And it's the educators from that school, I'm assuming? Educators from that school. We use yeah. the term educator as opposed to teacher because it's open to, it could be a school, school district. It could be um, tied in with an informal education as well. So it could be with a science museum or a oh. uh, like a 4-H or a scouting unit. Because those are education programs that have STEM outreach as well, so mm-hmm. opportunity for them to take that on. So. All right, cool. So, what kinds of uh, what what was last year like? You know, what uh, how was the setup? Who came and then who participated? What was the challenge? Challenge was very similar uh, to what we're doing again this year. Uh, what was different was that the teams that came were only educators. Teams of five educators came. Ah. We had them from across the country. I believe, if I remember correctly, we had nine states represented. No, that's not correct. Twelve states were represented, including Puerto Rico. All right. Um, and those were working. We had a variety of teams. Some that were working with one school or one program. Uh, we had some that were working across the school district. And we even had one team that was made up of the five teachers came from five different schools from across the country, from California to New York. Hmm. Yeah, that was an interesting challenge for them, not only what they were doing for us on the engineering, but just their well, learning just, how, to, how to collaborate together was, yeah. a, was a big challenge for them. Um, we had a local team here from Clear Lake ISD as well, so right. it, was, it was quite a diverse group. Yeah, definitely, all across the board. So then the whole thing was, um, you know, once you got, I guess, uh, you put forward a proposal or something, right, to, to, to participate? Is that how, kind of how it starts? Right. That's how it starts. Uh, we send out uh, information about the about the challenge mm-hmm. and the technical requirements. And, you know, there's a lot of safety they have to cover to be able to come work in uh, Building 9, uh, the Space Vehicle mo- uh, Market Facility, and work on the PABF. So we send out all that information and invite teams uh, like I said, schools, school districts, yeah. uh, informal groups, 
or some combination thereof to send in a proposal and then we uh, review those we review them both uh, from a technical standpoint some of our uh, support folks in building nine will read it from a technical standpoint and then we'll also read it on the education side because it is an education event and outreach and a number of things so we read it from the educator point of view yeah. and our top 10 teams will get the invitation to come down and participate oh okay so anyone anyone writes the proposal anyone kind of puts this together and then it's up to you to decide who's going to come down here for the competition that's right um it's a nationwide competitive proposal process we read them you know we do a nice we, we give them the rubric so they know what we're expecting and what we're looking for yeah all those criteria and then you know we do the reading we always make sure there's two people that read it in each section just to make it fair and then they just get simply ranked and the top 10 will get the invite all right so then once they come here, what's that what's that whole setup? Now you you got to narrow down to like the best of the best teams. So once they come here, what's that what's that week look like? Well, that week is uh very very fun and very very busy <laughs> as you can imagine. Um they will come in. Uh we'll give them a chance. We've got to get them oriented of course to uh, Johnson Space Center and the environment here. Uh so they'll get a safety briefing. They'll have to go through and even even though we've read about it now everybody's actually can get hands-on and look at it so they'll go through a quick safety review we'll make sure it uh, can work on the uh, precision air burning floor mm -hmm. and then we'll get a chance to test those uh, we'll give them a chance to go back and maybe make some adjustments and come back and test it again over the week that's you know that's the gist of why we want them to be here is to actually go through that process to test it out for like the real thing right right get yeah. a real test not in the committee nature from one to another but for themselves just trying to be successful going through that engineering process but the other things we'll do throughout the week um we'll give them tours of the overall jsc facility oh we'll um want to give them some unique experiences i'm not sure what we're going to do this year but last year we gave the teachers an opportunity to um, do a simulation in building 16 on one of the docking simulators they got to ride on the um, mars exploration vehicle they also got an opportunity to um, get on the partial gravity simulator or POGO over in building nine, what? which is the old uh, pneumatic. They put you in a harness and take the load off so you feel like you're on a spacewalk. Wow. So they did a lot of things I've never had a chance to do myself. <laughs> it was a wonderful week. I had fun just watching them. Yeah. Sounds like the microgravity part of microgravity university you're taking, you're taking to the fullest extent, right? Really putting them in a situation where they're experiencing it, where they're, whatever they're designing is experiencing this microgravity and simulating it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And even beyond that, using it back in their classroom, uh, you know, teaching about microgravity yeah. and that environment. And um, that brings in so many things for teachers as far as, you know, Newton's laws and force of motion and energy and all those things they have to teach. But thinking about it from a standpoint that they often don't think about in the classroom is it's from that microgravity yeah. uh, environment. That's true, because maybe they don't, you know, it's it, even even without studying it, it's kind of hard to grasp, right? The idea that, you know, you, you just know that everything goes down. You just know that you have, you know, apples fall on your head. And, and you, when I'm sitting in this chair, the chair is going to stay on the ground, right? It's not going to float up and go towards the ceiling. But there's this whole different mindset when it comes to microgravity and, and how that applies to the International Space Station. It really is, and it really has to put them in that mindset you know you like like you said in our day-to-day -day, um, situation we don't we don't deal with that you know here on center we may even talk to astronauts and 
watch all the videos or that come down from the ISS or but until you actually work and have to work in that environment where the friction the things that we deal with kind of unmask that real microgravity environment is hard to do um, you know you may know what happens but until you actually start trying to make something work in one of those simulated environments or I'm sure on, on board as well <laughs> it's uh, it's a real challenge oh yeah and it kind of um you know as part of this whole experience when they're here actually is part of the experience kind of studying what the astronauts are doing on the International Space Station as part of Microgravity University are you connecting with them or or studying videos or doing anything that sort of emulates what you can find on station well not directly with okay. this with this particular experiment um, or experience pardon me the in a way it is very similar to what the astronauts are experiencing because they're on board working through they're the person up there that is actually operating all the experiments that are on board mm -hmm. or doing doing the experiments <laughs> oftentimes they're the experiment themselves you know with a lot of the human physiology that goes on so in essence that's kind of what our visiting team is and we do try to make this parallel is they're representing this whole team that is back at their school or district or their organization so they have this team that is coming here to do this test and make what adjustments and i probably should have mentioned this beforehand but they really are going to make continue that communication throughout so if they you know when they go through their first rounds of tests and maybe they find that it doesn't quite work the way they thought it was we want to give them a chance to fix it but not just the team here we want them communicating with the team back home to actually make some of those adjustments and that was something last year that the teachers found it's going to be interesting this year with the students involved how this is going to work out but with the teachers last year it was fun to watch them communicating with their classes back home huh. because sometimes it was the student was the only one that knew how to really program it of how it was going it wasn't this the teacher so they were having to tell them to change this, this parameter or this setting and then download it to their device and then do it um, it was some interesting facetime conversations that i overheard and watched them uh, um, doing and you know holding up their camera showing the device as it went and hearing all these students you should do this no you should do this now let's talk about because <laughs> they're trying to do it very quickly so yeah. uh, sometimes it seemed like chaos but it really worked um it really worked out well and it was very exciting to watch how engaged those students were because we were also live streaming it back to them as well so they could watch through Ustream, an overhead view of each one of those tests. Whoa, okay, there's a lot There's a lot more going on. Oh, there's tons thing. of, it's hard to even think of all the layers that are going on with this as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get a full picture. So now now you have, I'm, what's the setup of this this giant air hockey table? Is it just like a big square? Is that, is that kind of how it's it is? It's a large rectangle. Okay, um, all right. Probably the size, I wish I could remember the dimensions off the top of my head. It is, oh, I'd say it's roughly, 20 by 40 feet roughly okay okay so definitely rectangular and then all the all of the teams are around it or are they we're uh there, we, uh, there's only really room to bring one team up at a time with okay. the operators the, the folks in building nine that actually operate it okay. um the other teams are sitting on the floor though they're at building nine just 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 off there but we're actually using that video stream so they can watch it on a tv it's just down below. They're not too far away, but uh, there's just not enough room because it's elevated. It's about four feet up off the main floor. So okay. the catwalk along there, there's really room for one team at a time. Mm. So, 
you know, we really wish we had a large gallery and could get lots of <laughs> folks up there, but it's rather hard to do. So. I see. Yeah, and then so on the floor they have their phones out or something and are are skyping or FaceTiming real time. Exactly. Like their uh, mission control, like a phone or an iPad, or I had them sitting there holding up whole laptops, you know, trying to get the right <laughs> angle to get to get it on their uh, camera as well. So. Yeah, it was it was fun to watch the different approach each team took to keeping up with that uh, that that connection. And last year, one thing we were able to do, unfortunately, we won't this year because um, this uh, resource is not unfortunately no longer available to us. Oh. But once they completed their test, they got a chance to do a direct video conferencing link with with their teachers and students back home afterwards. And I know a number of the schools had whole assemblies. You know, during that hour of testing that they had on at least on day one, oh, so wow. then they were able to go back and answer questions about how it felt to be there, about the whole environment, and that was really a fun thing to add last year. Yeah, to add that, you know, I guess you know, get a larger audience to really kind of experience it. It was, and we hope that thing, same thing will happen this year. But without that direct video conferencing uh, resource we have, we're really relying on the teams to make that up with their own. Um, they were doing it somewhat last year, which is going, we've asked them this year just to make it more part of their plan and to plan on that kind of connection. Yeah, really, because it's almost like planning for an op, just an operation, like a real mission here in Mission Control, too, because you got your you got the folks on the ground, right, quote, right. the ground supporting the astronauts up in space, kind of like that, right? You got your mission team up here doing doing this microgravity team, but then you got folks back home helping you out. Exactly. That It, it, it is exactly like that setup we have here between Mission Control and the folks on the station. Um, and really, it took some of them between their first, their day one of... Uh, testing to their day two to actually figure some of that out yeah, oh. after their test you know we didn't lay it all out in front of them that you know it's a learning experience so yeah. a lot of them made that connection second time around and you saw changes like kind of randomly changing this and they came down all of a sudden then you saw them working with checklists and all these other things that you, <laughs> you know we kind of expect to have in emissions but so they learned on the fly, which is great. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it sounds like a lot of it is, you know, obviously it's planned ahead of time, right? How long How long until you start the planning for the mission until the mission actually happens? Like how long is that stretch of time for Microgravity University? Or maybe application to mission? Well, the applications have been out. Uh, they'll be due uh, December 13th for this uh, next go-around. All right. Uh, give us, of course, with the holidays, a couple weeks to read them and evaluate them. Um, we hope to have everybody lined up with their acceptance letters by mid mid January, about the fifteenth. So, from there until March fifteenth, they have about two months is all to design and to finish building this. Now they've got a proposal already. Sure. Um, of course, everybody knows that from paper to actually building, there's always changes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so they have ideas in mind, but they've got really got eight weeks probably to just finish designing, build it, and send it down here to us. Um, and be prepared for all this. So it turns around pretty quickly. Um, the end of each team then gets a chance to come for one week. Uh, we actually have two test weeks, so five teams each of those weeks mm -hmm. of the 10 that are invited. And so, yeah, it's a very fast turnaround. And then even there's follow-up because we expect them to go back, pull everything they, they did, their notes, their... Uh, any data that they took to pull that all together into a summary report, which then they'll share back with us as well. They'll do that remotely after the experience. All right. So it's going to be 
pretty quick after the holidays here. Like it 2018 is, is going to be <laughs> rapid, like a really quick start to the year. It is. It's coming very quickly. And <laughs> getting all that stuff set up, uh, you know, working with Building 9 and getting the word out. Yeah, it's a very busy time for me right now. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, we're going to put this out before that December 13th date for sure so maybe you'll get a couple extra applications which we're looking forward I, to it. I'm yeah I'm hoping you're happy otherwise you know sitting and reading over the holidays all these proposals I hope I'm not putting too much work on you but uh, where, where's the website that can go to to submit the proposal the website is a very simple one to go to it is go.nasa.gov forward slash NASA Magoo that's N-A-S-A-M-G-U-E all right Magoo is microgravity university but just Condensed. Just condensed, yeah. All right. Magoo. Or you can just, uh, you could probably just search Microgravity University, right? Microgravity University for educators will take you straight to ours. You do want to add that for educators because if not, you'll wind up at that overarching, but you'll, you'll find, you can find it from there as well. Okay. <laughs> we <laughs> want to make it as easy as possible. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, it's going to be a fun time for them. So, okay, we talked about the uh, we talked about the challenge itself, and we right. did kind of allude to some of the stuff they're going to see. I kind of want to kind of want to go back there because some of the things I'm kind of jealous. I feel like I haven't even done some of these things that the students are going to do. So, what's the what the first one was the simulator, right? What was that one? They uh, worked in uh, with Building 16, one of the engineering simulators there uh, last year. I believe the one because I didn't get to go do it either, so I'm jealous <laughs> as well. Uh, but they got to do, I believe, one of the docking simulators. Um, as if uh, you were, like, driving it or as if, like, um, you were trying to capture a cargo vehicle? I believe this was one was trying to capture a cargo vehicle over cool. there. And uh, I don't know if you've been in Building 16 where they do the, they have the dome projection of the, it's uh, kind of a VR setting to a degree. Okay. Uh, not with the goggles, but just trying to put you in that environment. You're at a station that looks like on board, and then they surround you with a dome with projection. Oh, yeah. We actually just talked about that last week on okay. last week's episode um, with Shane Kimbrough. Uh, okay. We were talking about that, that very simulator because that's the same simulator that he used to practice robotic arm operations. Exactly. So it was that. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, these facilities are doing the same ones that our astronauts train in. There you go. How about that? It's pretty cool from what they describe. Again, you know, it's on the bucket list for me here. I have, I still haven't done it, but it's literally a projection of the Earth. So it looks like whenever you're training, you're inside the cupola. You're inside the same module on the International Space Station with relatively the same view that they have. Obviously, Shane Kimbrough said it was not the real thing, but, you know, it's, it's pretty close. It is pretty close. What I've seen, I haven't seen it recently, but, yeah, it's a very nice simulation. Yeah, and then you practice doing the robotic arms things, and, and they get no training, right? They, do they actually go in and and drive it do they actually run the simulation or yes. do they just watch it no they actually go in and oh, get cool. a chance to not not for a long amount of time they usually go you know their whole team of five or six so they each take a quick turn on doing it mm -hmm. so it uh but they each get that hands-on a hands-on opportunity yeah wow all right again super jealous <laughs> I, I, I agree like i said i didn't get a chance to do those either <laughs> okay so what's some of the other cool stuff they're going to see well, definitely when they come down here, we want to give them a chance to see Mission Control. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Building 9, uh, of course, they're always working there. I mean, I think it's one of the highlights if you go on the tour from Space Center Houston or anywhere. It's always on the tour. But, you know, there's a whole lot of difference from being up on the catwalk where the visitors are and being actually on the floor working for two or three days. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, they also get to do Pogo there, the partial gravity simulator. That's or right. This is one that we've done in the past. Um, the robotics group, which is also there, has been great to work with. Mm -hmm. As I said, last year they gave the, the uh, 
participants an opportunity to take a ride. They didn't get to drive, but it, it's still a fun ride in the uh, Mars Exploration Vehicle. You know, the little car that was a joint project with, I believe, GM, you know, that can drive sideways or sit and spin in one, you know, one spot. Oh, yeah, the MRV. Yeah, yeah the MRV. Yeah, the MRV. That was a, that's a fun one because it literally omnidirectional driving. So it exactly. can spin and go sideways, and that's a cool car. They give everybody a chance to ride in that. Um, you know, perhaps we'll do that again or get a chance at uh, one of the SUVs that are over uh, there. Yeah. Don't don't know. Again, yeah, again, we're still in that a few things we've still got to nail down between now <laughs> and March. But uh, uh, there's definitely so many neat things to do here. Um, we'll give them a chance to see the Saturn V over in the Saturn V building, cool. uh, which is always impressive because uh, we find most of the folks that are coming have never been here before. So, yeah. Um, you know, I said last year we did have a team from, you know, the local, you know, uh, Clear Creek School District. But other than that, everybody was really their first time to Johnson Space Center. So yeah, maybe, it, maybe it's we, amazing. We, we might take that a little bit for granted because we go into work every day and pass literally one of the largest rockets, if not the largest rocket. I'm going to have to double check on that. But that was the rocket that took us to the moon. To so move. just yeah. laying on its side, just, you know, as we as we're as we're driving by. And it's so cool to like a hike to walk from one end to the other it and is. see the whole thing but it's definitely one of the cool things to see mission control definitely pogo that's that's a good one too because you're kind of suspended on a string that sort of simulates right you simulates uh it does it, it uses pneumatics and takes your, the load off so that you're suspended and actually feeling yeah. what it's like to be on a spacewalk and right they set up a nice little simulation to use handholds and move through two or three places and do a uh, you know, try to make a connection of a cable into a socket, ah. which, you know, again, if you're not used to that, you know, when we're sitting here somewhere, oh, that's just grab it and put it in there. Well, you're pushing against the floor and all these other things that aren't moving. Well, all of a sudden, everything's moving. You take the tiniest push on that, and you're going the other direction all that's of a sudden. That's right. Um, microgravity. <laughs> <laughs> microgravity at work. Uh, if you're not used to it, it's different, which I'm sure... You visited with uh, some of the astronauts, they'll always tell you that. But uh, yeah. So this gives you know us folks down on Earth a little peek into what that what that's like. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's true. That's um, You're talking about taking them back into the classroom. Um, Newton's law of any, anything in motion will stay in motion unless that's acted right. upon by or, another force. Or that action and reaction, that's the one that really gets you on that spacewalk. Uh, a little yeah. push here and all of a sudden... You're on the other side of the room if you're not careful. So. That's true. <laughs> you know, talking with um, different, you know, astronauts, obviously, but then uh, uh, um, extravehicular activity specialists, too. The trick is the slower, the better, right? Because any, if you if you move too fast, then it's exactly that. You're already in motion. Now you have to stop. Right. So, you know, understanding that whole thing. And now you got this 300-pound spacesuit that, you know, even in microgravity doesn't weigh that much. But it's still mass that you got to carry with you whenever you're moving. So. You got to carry with you. You got to stop it. You got to start yeah. it. Yeah, mass is still mass no matter where you're at. Exactly. <laughs> and does that kind of translate into the um, the challenge too? Is there, is there a, like, understanding mass and how it interacts with this whole setup here? And... It, it really does because um, momentum, you get into – force of motion you've got all these other things momentum and energy that go into it as well mm. and that's one thing that they do get a chance to work with uh, of course the whole device has some mass to it um, but since they're you know if you think about uh, an old physics class about talking about momentum you know maybe shooting a cannon and the bigger cannon will shoot the same size ball further which is because of the mass differences oh, yeah. they do get a chance to adjust some of the masses on the launching device 
um, that their sled is connected to. So they have to take that into account. There, you know, like you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of different facets to this that they really yeah. think, think through, and, and that's also why we focused at uh, high school level for them to take it. Those that may have had the physics or a technology class that uh, at least have been exposed to this at a little higher level. Definitely doesn't mean middle school can't be involved, but it's um, there's some pretty good science and engineering in here. So that yeah, you know, I kind of want to I kind of want to explore those layers a little bit more actually because I feel like what what are they designing? What are they bringing to the table? And then what are the things that are here that they have to interact with? Like, what's the whole challenge then? Well, the device that they're bringing, um, we provide them with, uh, and this is similar to a number of design challenges that are out there in, in different places, is we provide them with a kit of some basic simple materials um, that is from cardboard to some dowel rods, some small pieces of wood, springs, rubber bands, bungee cords, mm. things that will give you the basics of a device because you in essence you're putting together this this launching device we call it the satellite launching experimental device or sled oh in, so you're building the launching device that's what they're building is that, that device that's actually going to shoot a satellite in this case we use a one of those little air hockey you know balls you might bounce around the Round, like, round, like around the, the kitchen. Yeah, the disc that's about six inches across that blows air down and you can yeah. bat it around. Yeah. That's the satellite that they're trying to launch from their device ah. into the target. That's actually our mem our satellite in this. The satellite know? is the hockey disc. It's the oh. hockey disc. Okay, cool. So it, you know, it's going to move very easily across that highly polished steel floor of the PABF. So they're building a device that's going to launch that trying to hit this small insertion target that's moving. <laughs> oh, the insertion target is moving? Yeah, it's a moving item, moving, hitting a moving target. That's why it's, uh, there's a lot to this. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so they've got to decide, you know, how to launch this, how fast it needs to go, which depends on, you know, how much energy they need to put it is. Do they want to use rubber bands or springs or something more heavy duty? Mm -hmm. um, they do get a chance to enhance that kit that we give them with some things they have oh. uh, there as well, about 20%. It's an 80-20 rough guideline um, for them to use what we've provided and then design from their own materials that they have. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, the hardest part is for them is to decide how to make that autonomous you know decide what mechanism they're 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 going to use to release it at the right time at the right speed to hit that target you know we last year we had some that built their own breadboards we had some that used the um lego mindstorm robot to actually launch it um, something they already had at their school yeah. and there are other options that other teams out there will find and make use of <laughs> which is one of the funnest parts for me is seeing the different designs that these teams come up with. Yeah, a bunch of different designs for exactly the same task. Exactly. But, you know, may the best design win, I guess. Exactly. And, and, and once you actually, if you've ever been in one of these, it's not just the design, it's executing that design. So it's also building it yeah. so that it will withstand that launch and et cetera. So you've got to put some durability into it as well. <laughs> kind of hard with cardboard and, uh, and rubber bands. Uh, it is, but they, they, they find ways. We had a team right. last year that 
took the cardboard box we sent them, which we didn't really have in mind at the time for them to use, but they used it as their basis and fiberglassed it. Oh, all right. <laughs> there you go. Way more structurally sound. Exactly. So, you know, using that, uh, using their own creativity is really key to this. Yeah, definitely. Wow. So the first, so they're here for a whole week then. And this challenge is, is it, you said there's a lot of testing involved in the, in the beginning, right? You're kind of just kind of practicing and. There is. It's, um, it, it's over a week. So they, they come in on, on a Monday. Yeah. They get a chance that first day once they go through the safety review to spend an hour testing it on the floor, mm-hmm. which depending on how well it performs or what kind of adjustments they make, they can get one shot into 20 or 30, depending, you know, yeah. how well it works. Um, We've got to work in that time for their experiences as well. Um, tours, uh, the things that we will do. Yeah. Um, and then a chance to do any modifications they need. And then they'll also get a chance then, and that's probably what Wednesday is. Then on Thursday, they'll get a chance to work through it again and see if the modifications they've made work better. And, and they'll have a better, uh, another hour on the floor to get as many shots in as they can and see what successes they have. Because mm-hmm. that's what you're looking for is not that they can do it once, but that you can do it repeatedly and fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, again, competing against themselves, how many times can they hit the target, so to speak. Yeah. And then we'll ask them to do a quick summary here locally, uh, uh, share kind of a showcase what they've learned throughout the week, which will invite the JSC community to come and participate in as well. Oh, really? Like we do with a lot of these activities, yeah. Cool. Kinda. So real scientists and engineers from here at the center come and check it out. They, they'll, they'll have that open invite. All right, cool. Um, so they have a lot of time to kind of refine everything and, and practice because they come here on a Monday and by... By Friday, they're done and headed home. Uh, yeah. Bring re- that showcase. So they, you know, really they get to spend about out of that two to three hours on the floor so wow it um, between all the teams i mean it's a lot of time but an individual team gets about two hours on the floor is all uh, oh, so that's right because oh because you got to share i didn't got, even think about that gotta share yeah, yeah gotta share <laughs> <laughs> you gotta share the floor okay wow that's such a cool experience yeah i had no idea that that was something you know because i i when i in high school i remember dabbling in all kinds of uh different fields right because right. um High school is kind of the time where you try to figure that out, right? Okay, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? So you kind of do some challenges over here, some things. Do you find that the students are more sort of set on, yeah, you know what, science and engineering is for me? Or do you find them kind of, this is another step on their exploratory mission of what they want to do for the rest of their lives? Being the first time we'll have students here, um, my guess is that we will find most ones that are coming here are really interested in science and engineering. Yeah. But I'm sure that there are a lot that are on the team back home that are still checking things out. Yeah. And I'm also saying that from my experience. I'm a former classroom teacher, uh, taught physics, and was a robotics coach. All right. So there's so many facets to this program as well. You know, we'll give them a chance to design their own team patch, you know, or like a mission patch and such that you can really bring in a lot of different things. Matter of fact, I was uh, one of our teachers last year was actually the French teacher. That was involved, but she was also interested in science and engineering, and she found ways, though, to work this into her French curriculum (laughs) and all sorts of things. You know, when you get creative, there's lots of connections you can make because, you know, everything is is connected. We. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, for the students, it'll be interesting to see this year as we, because we will survey them uh, before and, uh, and afterwards if this changes their feeling about STEM careers or, um, 
you know, be it science or engineering or technology or whatever it might be, we will ask that question. So we'll have some better data later. Definitely. No, this is, it's kind of um, the mission of why we do NASA, you know, education here at NASA is to kind of, is, is that fair to say? Is that, you know, this kind of helps inspire the next generation? That is exactly what we're trying to do. I mean, that's what these are all about. Um, not only inspire those, those students, but give the teachers that are working with them the tools to help not only the students they bring this time, but students in the future. Yeah. You know, they may get a chance to do this or they can go do something similar on their own. Yeah. So that's, uh, is, you know, maybe lesson plans are a part of this, right? Or is that another part of NASA education? There are lesson plans. It, it really is. Uh, we don't necessarily design a lot of lesson plans here, per oh. se. Uh, we do provide a lot of curriculum material. We talked about, you know, microgravity earlier and learning about that. Yeah. We have an entire lesson guide on microgravity demonstrations and lessons that they can use, which we'll be sharing with the educators, of course. Cool. But what we're really trying to do is, is in get them engaged in these unique experiences and really give them that opportunity for them and their students to experience it and work that into their long-term development as an educator. Yeah. Ah, okay. Right, because you've got educators here, right? The French teacher that's and right. you got other other folks coming that are going to apply this, right? That's right. That's very cool. And that's one of the things we found last year is that they found so many ways to do – this is something in education that's called uh, project-based learning. Mm. And – a lot of them are not, you know, they may do this on a small scale, but they found this as a way that they can do more larger problem-based um, lessons back home. Um, it gave them the courage to go home and, and do that, uh, the knowledge to do it. Uh, it was it was quite a deal. Uh, one story I want to share that I thought was just so motivating to me as well to, that it's important we do these is we had a teacher here doing a great job, having fun. It was obvious. But was, from my point of view, was actually shocked at the end of the week as he's given us a breakdown of what he'd learned. Is, you know, almost, I can't quote him exactly, but basically what he was saying was he had had such a tremendous experience here and learned so much more about what he could share with students that he had decided not to retire and continue to teach. Wow. How about that? Yeah, it, it is very inspiring what they're able to do here and what they're able to take back and share a new wave of inspiration exactly that's pretty cool so it's not just the the you know the young the young kids were inspiring it's it's those dedicated edu educators out there as well yeah decided to stick around that's awesome not even retire that's really cool i could totally agree with the project-based learning too because mm -hmm. i'm thinking of, I, that, while you were talking about that i was thinking about experiences in in high school and and earlier than that, even where that I think the lessons when it comes to like actual lessons that I learned and things I learned in school, the things I take away the most are whenever there was some something very specific that I had to do. It was a task, right? For that you had to start and then finish. And through that whole thing, you sort of can pull back and learn that broader, you know, that broader piece of information, the whole purpose of why you were doing that project. Right. That's what it's all about. We all know it works best, but sometimes making it, putting it in action is not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. So this gives, you know, educators a chance to learn how to do it and gives students a large immersion into into this kind of activity. Definitely. Well, what about you, Mike? Because you, um, you, uh, you know, you're here as a, are you considered a NASA educator? Is that what you are? Or do you have a different job title? 
Uh, that's basically my job title, an yeah. essay education specialist. Education specialist, yeah. Do a lot of different things, uh, design, you know, this 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 experience that we're getting ready to put together, which will involve so many different things, coordinate all that. Um, so I'm kind of a program manager in a way. Yeah. But um, have to bring the education value to it, um, which is, uh, I think, why as a former classroom educator, it's it's that 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 that. that, that Excuse me. That's a requirement for my job. So. Yeah. How did you? How how did that career path go? How did you get from <laughs> high school educator to the physics teacher all the way to to NASA? How'd that go? Well, um, actually, as I was uh, uh, trained as a as an educator in college, um, but went off in another direction for the nonprofit for a while. Mm. But I was coming back into education. I knew that I needed to refine my science skills again you know anything gets a little rusty when you don't use it (laughs) so I was looking for some summer opportunities to um, I didn't want to just go back to school um, but I knew if I looked I could probably find some opportunities and fortunately actually Johnson Space Center there were some opportunities to come down and be a uh, mentor for actually that probably um, spend a week here at Johnson Space Center and work with students and find it all and that's when I found out all the neat things that were going on here yeah and did that got me hooked on NASA <laughs> again because um, <laughs> I remember the moon landing so you know it's, it's always been there in the back of my mind but what what what, what could it do for education right excuse me um, and once I found out there were opportunities I started looking for more and I found them I had opportunities to go and do different things and finally, I found out, hey, there's a job I can actually go do this. And I applied, and a couple of years later, I was lucky enough, and here I am. I, you know, it's a, it was a journey itself. Yeah. So, um, but I'm glad I'm here. It, uh, it is very inspiring to get get to work with all these educators and students out there. Definitely. Yeah, I, uh, I was a student myself when I when I first got here and uh, transitioned more towards the mentor role, and so I can appreciate all this stuff that you're doing because. You know, I lived it. I, I was, I was there. I was definitely inspired to come work here That's through great. through the internships and fellowships and all the other opportunities too. I worked with, uh, I did a, a rotation in education actually, working on various programs okay. there. Um, what was I actually did uh, reduce gravity? That was one of the programs I worked with. Okay. Um, Haas was another one. So what's what does what do you work with Haas at all? Um, I really work with them just a little bit, usually helping them during the summer when they have some students here when they need extra escorts for some of their tours and all. Mm. But um, as I mentioned, that program that I first had the summer to come and, and work uh, for a week, that was the first year that they did Haas. Really? It was. And I was a mentor for one of those weeks during that uh, during that initial year for uh, for high school aerospace scholars. So, yeah, I've, so I've worked with them off and on throughout the years as well. All right. So. Has it changed? Have you noticed since, you know, since its inception? It, it, it has. Um, a lot of it is the same. Um, they've refined. Really what's, to me, the, the difference is then it was a chance to, students just came and spent the week uh, here and had a great experience. But they've added a lot of pre-work that the students need to do, an online course, actually, in preparation for coming that's right. and being here. And that's made it a deeper experience for the students. So that's been a great addition to it. Yeah. And j- just to pull back even further, just for the listener's sake, um, it's a high school aerospace scholar, right? That's, right. that's Haas. And it's another – it's kind of like Microgravity University where it's a challenge-based – course and you come here for a week and do the challenge right that's right um it's a series of smaller challenges that they do um 
like it's designing and building a, a, a rocket, um, a small robot. So it's a bunch of small challenges that they do. Mm-hmm. I believe almost a daily kind of focus challenge that, that, that they do. Um, again, not working with it directly, I don't want to talk too much, but oh, yeah. it, it definitely does have those elements like our large challenge for Magoo has, but just on a little smaller scale. Yeah. Just from mentoring it, I know that they, um, at least for when I was mentoring it, they did like a, a Mars robotics challenge and right. you had to design a rover and then do this competition where you kind of had this mat that was your your Mars, right? right? Your, Mar- your Martian surface and they had rocks and little um, shiny pieces of water, I guess. <laughs> and you had to collect as much as you could, bring it back to your home base and right. then however much you collected, then that's how you won. And that was mm-hmm. the that was the competition. It was pretty cool. It is, and that sounds very similar to the, there's a version that's for community uh, college um, students. And, oh. and that's definitely what the community uh, college aerospace scholars does, or what we refer to as NCOS. NCOS, yeah. okay. Is that for um, Texas Community College, or is that that that, was na- that one's nationwide? Nationwide, and Very actually cool. they do that one at multiple NASA centers. Wow, education has quite a few programs going on. Huh? It sure got, does. Yeah, that's 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 quite a few. Um, I know just under the Microgravity University, you know, we talked about this competition here but then also we kind of skimmed it over but uh micro g next is another one right that's uh right micro g next is another one that one's again focused at um graduate or undergraduate college level uh students oh okay and it is focused on um they work with the engineering team that works on uh spacewalking tools all right so they're given a challenge or two they they choose which one that they want but usually there's two options that, are, that go out in the proposal. They choose which one they want to work on. They develop that, and then they get a chance to bring it here, and they work up a test that's actually performed in the neutral buoyancy lab. Mm-hmm. Um, um, students don't get to go actually dive and put it in the, you know, they work with the uh, divers out there. Darn. Again, one of those little, <laughs> eh, shucks, can't quite do that. But... Uh, but they're they're there. They're watching it right on the monitors. They're getting feedback from the from the divers about how well it worked, um, how easily you know how what the ease with which they were able to utilize the tool. Yeah. So they get all that same engineering feedback, very similar to what the engineers here do. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Cool. So uh, yeah, a lot of these challenges are kind of based off of literally what is done here at NASA. Oh, definitely. It it really needs to be uh, tied into what we're doing, either running parallel, like we mentioned, what we're doing is very similar to launching the CubeSats on the ISS, and it's very similar to, you know, a mission, working with Mission Control. But as you get into the Micro-G Next, some of the others, it is very much what they're you know, they what they can be designing is a tool that maybe that design works its way into a real tool. Oh, wow. Have you seen have you seen examples of that? Have you seen examples of student run projects that got fit into like real Actually real there's several and let me throw in a, another program, throw it out there. Yeah, yeah. Um it's called Hunch. Okay. Um I cannot remember exactly what that acronym stands for, but it's basically uh, <laughs> high school students designing space hardware. Okay. And a number of different things. They've actually done some some different challenges one space hardware they've also done a food challenge where they actually come up with a new recipe uh, working with the food lab on that um one thing they're testing right now on board space station are um is is footwear oh to um i'm not sure what you would would call it a slip-on booty a moccasin what space moccasin whatever it might be space Uh, moccasins yeah there there we go um (laughs) you know because you know 
you got to protect your feet up there. But uh, some of the, but when you're, what I understand the problem is they, uh, when they lock in on some of the handholds or, or footholds, yeah. um, you know, we're not used to having, you know, tops of our feet, you know, in that situation, rubbing some sore spots. So they've developed these um, space moccasins. We'll go ahead and use that, that term. <laughs> and uh, uh, they're testing those right now on board to see how well they work. And they'll get feedback from uh, the guys on orbit, guys and gals on orbit, and see how well they work or make modifications and try it again. That is so true because they do a ton of science all the time. They're working all the time. 250 experiments going on in any six-month increment. Right. There's just so much work to be done, including maintenance and all that. But you don't think about your... You, you know, you're not walking, you're working with your hands, and your feet are locked into these handrails all the time, constantly jamming into these metal handrails, of course they're going to get sore. Right. That makes so much sense. Wow. All right. Can't wait to see what these space moccasins are going to be on. Yeah, let's see what that. I know they've worked on on the uh, dining tables and a number of other, uh, didn't brush up on that, but that's a great project as well. Again, cool. uh, it's called Hunch. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The day-to-day stuff. That sounds pretty that's cool right. to work on that. Fun. All right. Um... There's one thing you mentioned earlier, if I can throw out there. You yeah, talked sure. about when you were a, um, an intern and others, how, how you were mentored yeah. through, through that program. And that's one of the things that uh, we get with the microgravity um, teams that will be invited to come down here during their design and building. And actually, while they're testing here, um, we're recruiting um, NASA, JSC personnel to be mentors to work with that, them throughout that throughout that process to be a technical advisor, coach, yeah. you know, mentor throughout this as well. Um, of course, when they're working designing, they'll be visiting with them virtually, you know, email or whatever they um, are doing there. But when they're actually on site throughout that week, especially during testing, we'll invite their mentors to be there with them and go through that. And um, the mentors have a lot of fun with that as well. <laughs> I can imagine, especially, I mean, you're you're working through these challenges together. Just any kind of challenge-based thing. I could see anyone getting charged about that kind of stuff. That's really cool. They are. You know, they, they volunteer for it. Um, you know, we ask for volunteers. We're in that process right now. Yeah. Um, so here's a shout-out. Anybody wants to uh, volunteer for that? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that that's just another layer of the experience to have that, that NASA connection, you know, with a mentor as well. Yeah. Hey, that's pretty cool. You're coming to NASA, you're seeing all the cool stuff, doing real NASA challenges that are perfectly applicable to real space flight, and talking with NASA scientists and engineers along the way. Right. And doing it in real NASA facilities. And doing it in real All NASA. at the same time. I mean, what else could we add to this? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Microgravity University, this is the place to go if you really want the true NASA experience. So I want to kind of end with um, just the overarching idea of education at NASA. You know, just talking about all of this, it seems pretty apparent. But if you can kind of put like a little, you know, I guess be, in, because of the Christmas spirit coming up, a little star <laughs> on top of this tree uh, or a little cherry on the fruitcake. Nobody likes fruitcake. Um, you know, what is the whole idea of NASA education, the, the purpose of why we do it? Well, the purpose is to inspire and engage you know we want if we're going to continue with exploration of the universe it's going to take an educated workforce with lots of creative ideas and an understanding of what it takes to work out there because it's not easy um, um, it's not like being here it's it's a different environment it's lots of different challenges that we're learning more and more every day we may you know think we've solved one but when we do we discover there's 20 more that we have to deal with you know wherever we're going be it to 
lunar orbit or to Mars or beyond, wherever it will be, we've got to have people to do that that are interested in this. So that's our job is to inspire and engage and get those folks in the pipeline so that they can be involved down the road. All right. That was a perfect way of wrapping it up, Mike. I, I hope it. so. <laughs> Very cool. All right. We'll stick around till after the music here, and we'll recap that um, that website for you of where you can apply to, to sign up and, and send your proposals to Mike here for Microgravity University and all the other cool stuff. There's, there's more than just Microgravity University, so we'll kind of share that too. But, um, Mike, thanks so much for coming on and describing all this uh, these cool challenges and the great experience that the students and educators are going to come do. My pleasure. Looking forward to it. Very cool. Hey, thanks for sticking around. So, as promised, here is the magic link where you can uh, submit all of your good ideas, your proposals to participate in the Microgravity University uh, next year, as uh, Mike said, in March. If you go to go.nasa.gov slash NASA Magoo, and that's N-A-S-A-M-G-U-E, Microgravity University. So that's where you can go and submit the proposal and find out everything there is to know about the program. If you want to know, oh, and by the way, that's uh, December 13th. December 13th is the deadline to submit those proposals. If you want to know all the other education programs going on, and sometimes, you know, they're kind of scattered, so you got them going on all throughout the year. Uh, Some of them are in in March, like the Microgravity University. I don't know, Haas and High School Aerospace Scholars is in uh, more of the summer, but uh, they kind of got spread out. But if you want to know all of the education programs and maybe Maybe you're going to miss the deadline here, but you want to participate in the next upcoming one. Go to nasa.gov education, and you can get a pretty good list of all the ones here at the Johnson Space Center, but then also all across um, uh, the space agency at different centers across the U.S. Uh, if you want to know some of the things going on and see some pictures, if you kind of you know didn't really understand kind of the visuals. Mike did a pretty good job of actually describing the visuals of how everything was set up. But if you want to see some of the programs here, uh, just go to it's on social media at JSC Education on Facebook is where you can find all the stuff going on here at the Johnson Space Center. At NASA EDU on Twitter is where you can find all the education programs going on across the agency. And then also we like to share things on the Johnson Space Center accounts. So like we say in previous um, episodes, uh, NASA Johnson Space Center on Facebook and then uh, at NASA Johnson on Instagram and, and Twitter, it's there too. So if you want to have a question about the show, just use the hashtag AskNASA. Or if you have a question about uh, you know how to apply or any of the education programs, use hashtag NASA. Ask NASA on any one of those platforms and go ahead and ask a question. And if you have an idea for this show, just make sure to mention it for Houston. We have a podcast. This podcast was recorded on November 20th, 2017. Thanks to Alex Perryman, Danae Fullwood, and Stacey Welch. Thanks again to Mr. Mike McGlone for coming on the show. We'll be back next week.